Remember the Wheel of Fortune? That's still a thing. It's been on forever. And here's how I know it's a thing. It was in the news recently because of an epic fail from one of the contestants. So this guy, David Peterson, he's about to guess the answer to the puzzle. And the answer is four words in a category. So they all have to do with one another. There are types of fish. And this is what he said. This was exactly what he said. He said, sole, flounder, cod, and catfish. Soul, not like the soul, like the heart soul, like spiritual soul, like soul, like the fish, S-O-L-E. I didn't know that. So I learned something from Wheel of Fortune. Maybe that's why it's still on. I don't know. But this is what he said. Soul, flounder, cod, and catfish. That sounds right. Wrong. It's not right. Count with me. Soul, flounder, cod, and catfish. It's five words, not four. It's wrong. So Pat Sajak says, no, sorry, that's not right. Because the rule is you can't add any words. And he added the word and. And that's rough. So rough that some viewers reacted to it. This is what I love about this story. So people got on social media to argue with Wheel of Fortune about how unfair it is. So they're going after him. They're saying, this is an archaic rule. How ridiculous. He said the word and. Everybody does that. But then other viewers kind of jumped in and an argument broke out on social media like it does. I mean, if there's anything that describes where we live right now, it's this. And so they're just arguing. That's not fair. He, he got it right. No, it's not fair because those are the rules. This is real life. We argue all the time about what's fair and what's not fair, even when it doesn't matter and how life should be fair, but life always isn't fair. And that's kind of what we think. Deep down in our soul, I mean, not the fish, like our spiritual soul, deep down in our heart, we want fairness. And when we play a game, maybe a sport, maybe at work, maybe in life, maybe in politics, whatever, we want things to be fair. So much so that when it turns out not to be fair, we say this phrase. Have you ever heard this phrase? Life isn't fair. I say that to my kids all the time. We know life isn't fair because bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. But we have a phrase like life isn't fair because we think life should be fair, don't we? Have you ever stopped to think about it? Like, why do we think that? What is fair in life? It's stuff like this. There are these if-then statements in our life. Like, if you work hard, then you'll be successful. Do you believe that? That's kind of what I'm talking about, because that's just fair. If you do good things, then good things will happen to you. If you're a bad person, then you'll get yours. If you're generous, then you'll be rich, whether financially or just in life. If you're a good person, then everything will turn out okay. We want kind of the equation of life to balance out. And we approach Jesus like this too. Same equation. So we think, okay, I'm following Jesus. It's like a transaction at a bank. I put in following. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to try to do good things. And then he'll give me stuff. He'll give me blessing. He'll answer my prayers. Like that's, that's how we think about it because I, that's only fair. I'll get what I deserve. Like I put in, so therefore I, I get out. So here's kind of what I mean. Here's the equation of fairness. Here's how I would describe it. So what is fair? Fair, kind of the way we live our lives, fair is good stuff, good decisions, minus bad stuff, bad decisions. And we think if we do enough good stuff and we don't do the bad stuff, then things will be good. Then we'll get what we want out of life. 
There's another term for this kind of fair. This is called justice, getting what we deserve. And we think if we do enough good stuff in life, we'll get what we deserve. We'll get the good things out of life. You know that this is called something. This is called moralism. Basically, the more good stuff you do, the better your life is. The more bad stuff you do, the worse your life is. There's another word for it too. It's called karma. And a lot of people believe that. You'll put good vibes out into the world and then good vibes will come back to you. Or you put bad vibes out into the world and bad things will come back to you. And here's the thing, even though I explain it like this, we actually think that this is true. We kind of want things to work out like this. We think this works. But then we kind of live life and we're reminded, hey, life isn't fair. That's not always how it works. And we know that too. And we kind of struggle back and forth because we probably kind of prefer for the equation to be true because fair is fair. Now, we're in this series right now called The Solution for Everything, and we've been talking about this thing called grace. Now, the simplest definition of grace is undeserved favor from God. It really, it's God giving us what we don't deserve. So how does that all fit in with this equation? See, we fall short. We put a lot of bad stuff in the equation. And he extends grace. He gives us something we don't deserve, which is a right relationship with him. He makes it right. And it's natural for us. Like when we go through life, we're trying to solve things. We're trying to live by this equation. That's, that's where our focus goes. But we get it wrong a lot because we think it's about getting a fair chance. But in reality, grace is anything but fair. And that's where I trip up. Because I want this to be true, but then I know that's maybe not how God designed it. We think it should be, but it's not quite. And people in the Bible actually kind of thought this through as well. They struggled with this. There's this guy in the Bible, his name is Peter. He's one of Jesus' followers, his disciples. And he walked away from a whole lot of stuff to follow Jesus. He walked away from his livelihood, his job, his home. He gave up everything. He was an incredibly bold believer. And one day he's talking with Jesus. I love this. This is Matthew 19, 27. And he kind of gets to the heart of fairness. This is what he says. We've given up everything to follow you. Everything he could possibly think of. What will we get? I live this way. Do you live this way? You know, he's saying, I had a job, I had security, I gave everything up. This is what we think life's about. We're kind of trying to balance the equation. We gave up everything, so please, what will we get? You know who else thinks like this? My kids. Your kids. You and me, probably, too. In reality, have you, has this ever happened to you? Like, your kids do a chore, and then they think they should get a reward for doing what just they should do? Like homework? Like, what do I get? They take the trash out, and then they come back in. They're like, what do I get? Do you do that? Hey, I'm going to put in the good effort. I'm going to work hard. What do I get? I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to go to church, check off the boxes. What do I get? But we, we also know that deep down in life, life isn't fair Life isn't fair when relationships break and we do everything we can to try to mend them and they're broken. And life isn't fair when somebody hurts you and there are no consequences. And we want life to be fair until it's us that needs the grace and we get confused and we don't know what to do. And we look at this equation and we say, what will we get? And then we look at Jesus and his grace and we don't understand and we go, what gives? We give up everything to follow you. What will we get? 
And the amazing thing about the Bible, one of the things I love about the Bible is Jesus responds to the question. He actually answers Peter. He tells a couple of stories in the book of Matthew to help kind of set the record straight. We're going to focus on one of them. This is in Matthew 20. We're going to spend most of our time there. And Jesus talks about this kind of fairness equation. Check this out. This is Matthew 20. This is what it says. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage. That's important. The normal daily wage and sent them out to work. So this story starts out normal. A normal guy doing normal things at the normal time. Everything's just fair and normal. He says, hey, I'm going to go get the hardest workers at the beginning of the day. I'm going to... I'm going to pay him fairly, a normal daily wage. That's it. But this is verse 3. Check this out. So at 9 o'clock, three hours later, in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. Isn't that amazing? Like, so he goes out three hours later, and he's like, hey, you guys, stand in there. Let's go. I'm going to hire you. But he doesn't say a full daily wage. This is what he says, whatever's right at the end of the day. So this is what they did. They went to work in the vineyard. They just followed him. They did exactly what he asked them to do. Easy, normal. This makes sense to us. The equation is balanced. Three hours later, he does it again. And then he does it again. So at noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. I mean, he must have had a lot of work that needed done at his vineyard. I mean, if I had like four crews that could come and work at something at my house, I'd probably take it. I don't know if I'd want to pay all of them. But he, that's what he's done. He's hired four groups of people. One starting early, early, early in the day, working all day, the hardest part of the job. Then he hired somebody at nine. Then he hired somebody at noon. Then he hired somebody at three. But he's not done. At five o'clock, he does the same thing. That afternoon, he's in town again and saw some more people standing around. And he asked them, why haven't you been working today? Because that's fair. Because he's like, I've been through here four times and I haven't seen you. Where have you been? Why haven't you working? They replied to him. This is what they said. They replied, because no one hired us. Well, that's fair. Fair enough. Okay. You're not working. Nobody hired you. Let's go. So this is what the landowner told him. The landowner told him, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. I mean, five crews, we are getting stuff done today. This vineyard needs some TLC. We get to the end of the work day, and this is what happens. So that evening, the landowner told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. That's abnormal. This is when it starts to get weird. When those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. So other than this guy hiring just a bunch of people all day long, this store is pretty normal. You know, guy hires somebody to do work, promises to pay him. That's everyday stuff. That happens today. But the day ends, it's time to pony up, and he says, okay, we're going to start with the crew that started only a couple hours ago, that started last. They've done the least. They had the easiest job. It was the coolest part of the day. The work had already been started. So let's go to the equation. What's fair? What's fair? What is right for this guy to pay these workers? We probably say, well, if we're just doing easy math, a fifth. They worked a fifth of the day, so they get a fifth of the pay. So if a typical daily wage is 100 bucks, you get 20 bucks. That's what's fair. But that's not what this guy did. 
he pays him a hundred bucks. A full day's pay for just a little tiny bit of work. And our fairness equation kind of gets out of whack. Because imagine being the people who worked all day at the beginning of the day. They were promised a hundred bucks for like 12 hours of work and worked the hottest part of the day. So what would they do? Well, we find out. This is what they said. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. I'd probably assume this too. They got their hopes up, I think. They're doing the, the fairness equation math. All right, so we did five times the amount of work. They got paid $100. So instead of $100, we should get paid $500. We're going to make a rank. I mean, dollar, dollar bills. Like, we, let's go. They're excited. But that's not what happened. So this is what it says. But they too were paid a day's wage. And when they received their pay, they protested to the owner. What did they say? What did they say? Those people worked only one hour. I would say that. And yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. Those people, so they go into the manager's office and they're complaining. They're like, those people got the same thing that I got. That's not fair. Those people worked one hour. I worked 12 hours. That's not fair. Well, the manager answered one of them. This is what he said. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? That's what they agreed upon, and that's true. Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Well, that's amazing. That's hard. They're going, look, that's not, that's not okay. That's not okay. That's not fair. But they weren't upset because they hadn't, they hadn't gotten paid as much. They weren't upset because they had gotten cheated. They actually hadn't gotten cheated. It was pretty clear they hadn't gotten cheated. It was exactly what had been agreed upon. See, they were jealous. They weren't mistreated. They weren't saying, hey, you're cheating me, landowner. They're objecting because of the landowner's generosity, because of other people getting what they didn't deserve, which is grace. They're going back to this equation. And they're saying, look, I'm kind of trying to add it all up. We worked five times harder. We should get five times more money. It's only fair. And the landowner says, no, this is perfectly fair. You don't get it. I gave the job that you needed. I paid you. I paid what we agreed upon. And then Jesus, at the end of this story, drops this amazing phrase. It stops me in my tracks. It really challenges me. And so this is a parable. It's a story with a point. And this next sentence makes Jesus' point just loud and clear. With a single line, it shines kind of a light on this fairness equation that we struggle with. This is what he says. This is what he says. Check this out. Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? We know the answer to that. We know the right answer. We go, no. We shouldn't be jealous. We shouldn't resent it, but we do. And this equation in our heads kind of shows us something different. We think, okay, life should be fair. Grace should be fair. And when we think it comes down to being a good person or living our lives, see that good things should happen to us more so than other people. And this parable is challenging that. He goes, no, no, you don't understand. You think everything should be fair? It's not. This is Jesus' equation. Our equation's fair, good, minus bad. This is his. He says, grace doesn't equal fair. 
I know we want fair. Maybe we're designed for fair. I don't know. But fair is not what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, no, you don't understand. It's not a transaction. It's not fair. You're right. And if we based everything on if I live a good life and then I get what I want, I go to heaven because I do enough good stuff, we can't, we can't do that. We can't do enough good stuff. And the bad stuff can't outweigh the good in our lives. That's just the way that it's designed. And he's going, no, you don't understand. See, grace isn't fair. It's actually far better than that. It's far better than fair. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. Grace isn't fair. And when you read this parable, here's what I would challenge you to do. When you read a parable like this, think about who do I relate to? Who am I in this story? Now, God is the landowner, so we probably relate to somebody who's a worker, just one of the people who is a worker. Maybe the people who were there at the very beginning of the day. Maybe it was the people there at the very end of the day. And Jesus is making it really clear. He's saying, look, no matter which worker you are, no matter where you are, I will love you and you'll be able to receive my grace because I give it freely, not because of what you do. It's because of what I do. And if I want to give you my grace freely, I can do that. It might not be fair. Actually, it's far better. How amazing is that? See, we get this undeserved favor from God. We get this grace, even though the equation that we have in our head is unachievable for us. See, grace isn't fair. It's far better. Grace is greater than fair. So that's really the way that he would write this equation. He's saying grace isn't fair. No, no, no. It's far greater. Grace is greater than fair. So if we receive this grace, if we're living our lives and get this grace, we don't deserve it. It isn't fair. How do we respond when we receive grace? And that's part of what this story is about. How do you respond? Do you respond like the workers? When you receive grace or when other people in your life receive grace, are you jealous? Are you angry? Are you annoyed? Are you confused? How can we respond when we receive grace? Well, here are three ways. Three ways I think we can respond. Here's the first one. We can be thankful. This is a simple, easy place to start. But when we realize that we receive undeserved grace, a wonderful response is just to thank God. We have an opportunity to do that today. It's something we call communion. Now, communion is just an opportunity to remember what Jesus did on the cross. He died on the cross for where we fall short, for where we can't balance this equation. And communion is this act of remembering and thankfulness for what Jesus did on the cross. So we have a bread or a cracker. We have juice, the cup. And the bread represents him being broken on the cross. And the, the juice represents his blood being shed on the cross. It's this opportunity for us to pause and to remember his grace. So that's the first thing we can do is just be thankful. Here's the second thing we can do. Stop comparing. This is one of the problems with the equation. We think it's unfair because we get to measure fair. So we look around and we look at our neighbor and we look at our friend and we look at our ex-spouse, we look at our enemy and we think, I deserve this, they deserve that, that's what's fair. But grace doesn't compare. Grace isn't just for some people and not for others. 
See, Jesus is based on this truth that none of us can balance out this equation. We fall short of God's standard. Even one negative thing on the bad column makes everything out of whack. But the amazing thing about grace is Jesus says you can stop comparing, you can stop keeping score, you can stop keeping track because everybody's invited because everybody falls short. And the people with the messy past or the people with the regrets or the people with the sin and and the mistakes, they receive grace. And the people who judge the people with the past and the sin and the mistakes, they receive grace too. And he's saying, you sin, you sin, you sin, you sin. Everybody sins. You can receive grace. He doesn't try to balance out the equation. He says, stop comparing. Stop saying his sin is bigger than my sin. Her mistakes are bigger than my mistakes. Grace isn't fair. It's far better than that. So be thankful and stop comparing your grace with somebody else. And here's one more. Start extending. So we're going to actually talk about this in detail next week. A natural response to God's grace is for us to extend the same grace that we receive. As we, as we receive the grace given to us by Jesus, we can start living out a grace-filled life with other people all around us. Do you struggle with that? I struggle with that. Because I try to balance this equation. I say grace isn't fair. But grace isn't fair. It's far better. It's this type of grace that turns everything upside down. It's the type of grace that's given to the worker who's been stealing from the employer and given grace. It's the type of grace that's given to the person who can't control their anger and they don't know what to do. Jesus still extends grace. It's the type of grace that's given to the addict and they don't know where to turn or the holier-than-thou Christ follower who hurts other people. It's the type of grace that's given despite the worst things that we do or the weaknesses in our life. See, the equation we come up with pales into comparison. See, we say fair equals good and bad, and God says, no, it doesn't. I'll bounce the equation for you. He'll take what you can't do. We'll balance the equation. God says Jesus is all you need. It's not good stuff minus bad stuff. It's Jesus because he has the grace you need. Jesus balances the equation. Jesus makes it right. God says, listen, you can't do enough good stuff. You can't balance the equation. I can with Jesus. Grace isn't fair. Grace is greater than fair. It's far better than fair. I'd like to pray for us. God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful today that your grace is greater than what I can understand. I'm thankful that your grace is bigger than a mistake, big or small. I'm thankful that your grace is bigger than what I do how I act, how I feel, what I think. I'm thankful that as I sometimes try to balance this equation out and just try to do more, try harder, that this is a reminder today to go, no, grace isn't fair. Grace is far better than fair. It's beyond our comprehension. And your love, what you did on the cross through Jesus, changes things for us. It changes the way we view ourselves changes the way we view you. It changes the way that we view each other. So help us live this out. 
no matter what. Help us thank you for this grace. Thank you for the way you love us. Help us stop comparing to each other. And help us in the middle of all of this to extend grace to other people, grace that they don't deserve. But we give because we don't deserve it either. It's because of Jesus that we pray today. And it's in his name we pray, amen.